Hey everybody, and welcome to Was That Really Necessary? The podcast where we explore remakes, reboots, sequels, and prequels by weighing them against the originals and asking the titular question, Was That Really Necessary? I am Zach Buell, and I am joined by my... I mean, I don't even know how to describe him. He is just... He's lovely, he's talented, he's the complete package, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Abishan, how are you now? I'm good, I'm good. Welcome, Excellent. Welcome. Well, if you haven't heard this show before and you are just joining us for the first time, welcome. And what we do is we actually watch a movie and then we watch its sequel or prequel or reboot or remake or some sort of uh, format of that other movie. And we start weighing it against the original. What we're trying to do is we're actually trying to figure out was this, you know, made for the love of the actual making movies, the craft, the, you know, really getting in there for it? Or is this pretty much just a money grab that they were like, you know what we can probably do? Make some uh, make some cash off of that shit. Make some cash off of memories is really what we're doing here. It's a nostalgia world we live in these it days. It is. And, oh, boy, do we have no end to any of the material, source material that oh we need God. for this. We just, we're we're going to have this. Uh, but today we get to jump right in and explore Die Hard from 1988 and the sequel that uh, took a few years in the making, 12 years, I believe, Live Free or Die Hard from 2007. So, Paul... Let's jump right into Die Hard. I hear you might have a quick summary of this movie for us. A little bit of a breakdown for everybody. In case you're one that person out there who has not seen Die Hard, uh, it's a tale about an NYPD cop, John McClane, who goes on a Christmas vacation to visit his wife, Holly, in Los Angeles. Where Holly she... Gennaro. Holly Gennaro, which we're going we're gonna to discuss, I'm we'll sure. We'll discuss that. Uh, she works uh, for the Nakatomi Corporation. While they are at the Nakatomi headquarters for a Christmas party, a group of robbers, led by Hans Gruber, take control of the building and hold everyone hostage, with exception of John. While they plan to perform a lucrative heist, unable to escape and with no immediate police response, John is forced to take matters into his own hands. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. So... What do you think of Die Hard, Paul? I mean, it's it, this is this is a Christmas classic. This is this is my go-to Christmas movie. Um, I will be making a very steadfast argument for why this is a Christmas movie. Uh, I will also tell you that this is probably my favorite action movie. I mean, it's it's up there. It is definitely one of my tops. Um, to the point of rewatching this, I, I love this movie. I have seen it. I don't know how many times. My only note that I wrote, and this is honest, I you know I, I showed this to Paul. He has seen my notebook. It just <laughs> says, this is the greatest action movie ever made, full stop. That is the end of my note for this movie. I, I, I didn't even want to write anything else down. It was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm into this movie. I love it. It's everything you want (laughs) in an action movie. It Um, is. At the time, Bruce Willis was at the top of his game. Oh, yeah. Um, Mostly doing comedy stuff at this point. Yeah. But, you know, he's he's coming off of, like, what, Moonstruck and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff like that. He is mainly a comedic actor at this point. He's been doing some TV, too. Um, So he comes in, and I I think one of the first things that I want to start off talking about like I said, love this movie. I know Paul is on board with it. One of the things that I want to, rather than discuss, I mean, this, this movie is just really well made. Every set piece is awesome. Yippee ki motherfucker. Like, it, there are so many quotable lines. It, there's, there's just like a great action movie. The thing that I want to point out is that this movie gets made in the 80s, it's the late 80s. This movie is the, in my mind, 
This is the signal of the death of the 1980s action flick. Because prior to this, you look at all the action films that are being made. It's, I mean, there's the two heavyweights. You got Stallone and Schwarzenegger making action movies, right? And prior to this, you're looking at stuff like Commando and Rambo First Blood, which is fairly cerebral. But then if you go into, like, Rambo 2 and a few others, um, you look at, like, Rockies and some of those. Again, some of them are kind of cerebral. Some of them are kind of crappy. But a lot of these 80s action flicks, um, especially if you get into some of the lesser-known stars, they are basically just over the top bullshit. It's a superhuman person that is undefeatable. That is just like they're a super soldier of right. some sort. There's, you know, it's how just, does this guy survive yeah. this? All that, and, and there, there is some of that in this movie. Don't get me wrong. There is, but this is the first movie that action movie of this series that really takes into the fuck it. Let's put him in. Let's put a normal human being in there. Yep. Like he survived some crazy action set pieces, but he's he's hobbled by the end of it. He is running around, you know, like he's making stuff up. He's tying a, a friggin' fire hose around his, you know, waist to try to survive some of the stuff. And he One is, of the ways it's a regular were... dude put into a shitty situation that he did not try to get into. Absolutely. And right from the beginning, they they give you that sense that he's a regular dude. He's mm-hmm. afraid of flying. He's on yep. the plane. He's not doing well. You all of a sudden find Marital him. troubles that he's been going exactly. through. Exactly. This guy is vulnerable. Yeah. So he's not... Right from the beginning, I, I love that you brought that up. He is he is a human being. And this um, is like this is the first movie that really does that to humanize this. And into the 90s then, that's what almost everything is trying to recreate including even you see that you see this shift happen in Die Hard and you see that people start kind of going away from the commandos of the of the world you know where they have the unstoppable the predator even you know like where you have these kind of unstoppable killing machines that are super well trained and even Schwarzenegger and Stallone start shifting into this. If you look at stuff like Cliffhanger, True Lies, all these, they try to make as much as you can try to make a six foot five Austrian bodybuilder a normal human <laughs> being. They try to make these people into some of these like kind of normalized humans. And that really is kind of, it, it's diehard that shifts it to this. It goes away from the indestructible superhuman into the, yeah, you know what? These guys can kind of screw up. They're not perfect. And they have some, some of their own personal issues and things like that that they can go with. This is that movie. This is that tectonic shift in action film that we we get to embrace. We get to really watch into. Absolutely. And you mentioned something else that I think definitely worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned most movies like this who generally have B-list actors, even C-list actors, mm-hmm. tend mm-hmm. to be cheesy. Yep. Obviously, Bruce Willis was the biggest name when this came out. And you're right. I mean, before this, it was really not much. I mean, Blind Date mm-hmm. came out, Sunset. He was still shooting Moonstruck when this came out. Or, yeah. uh, excuse me, Moonlighting. Yeah, Moonlighting. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Look Who's Talking hadn't even come out yet. And when that came out, he really wasn't that big was of a... Death Becomes Her? Was that before or after this? Way later. That's way. That's 1992. Remember. Was it? Okay. So at the time... Way really later. The, it's four years. <laughs> this is Alan Rickman's first movie. First full feature full-length movie outside of a, a couple TV shows and TV movies mm-hmm. that he had done previous to this. Outside of that, Bonnie Bedelia was really the biggest yeah, accredited exactly. actor by far to show up in the first Die Hard movie. Well, and there's a Russian ballet dancer that plays one of the henchmen who was previously an Amish person in Witness. Great movie. Call out to Harrison Ford, my boy. Cranky William asshole. Atherton is in this as well. He um, is. Good old he, William Atherton. I, I, this man still might not have a dick. I don't know. This man is dickless. He's dickless. Um, but they're really, you know, Reginald Valjean, I mean, 
really family matters hasn't family happened matter, yet. Exactly. He was like a bit again a character actor in the eighties. Um, I can't remember who the the limo's driver limo driver's name is, but he's he's another one that like never really took off after this. A couple of the the FBI agents that they have in there are both just again character actors that you might see pop up and stuff. But yeah, oh, this, was, this do we need an FBI agent? Oh, yeah, we need Johnson? to call that guy. Yeah, 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 we need to call that guy. Yeah, uh, I, you're going to need a couple of FBI agents. I'm Agent Johnson. I'm Agent Johnson. No relation. Ex- oh, so <clears throat> so this movie has some of the, since you brought it up, yeah. has some of the <laughs> best, if not quintessential, one-liners for any action movie. Yeah. It, it really fused that... That Schwarzenegger comedy. one-liner type of like comedy with, but they they remove some of the cheese for it, so they have some comedy points to I think what you're bringing up. But no, still we're just remaining. talking about this Die Hard, right? Well, yeah, just this Die Hard. Okay, yeah, which we have. So <laughs> there are some other things in there too. And yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I cut you off there. I apologize. But He's, I just, I, he ugh, just plays this, this surly. I think they utilized his experience in. A comedic background, mm-hmm. but yet his physique and the way he can pull himself off in that action, rugged cop really just plays off. And like you said, really hasn't been done so much, but has been done so much since then. Yeah. Well, um, but I still think he does have a scenes where he dodges 500 bullets and you're just like, really? You guys yeah. didn't, you didn't even clip uh, him? Like, he's come crawling on. around in the air vents and no building in the world ever has air vents large enough for a human and, being to fit through. I mean, there's, there's a suspension of disbelief that has to be taken into this. But the biggest thing is that he is, John McClane is the everyman. He is this person where he's not just like mourning a dead wife, which seems to be the you know the one thing the the inciting moment for every other action hero he has marital issues his wife moved across the country to be away from him because they're she she doesn't use his last name anymore she goes by holly Gennaro. but then at the end after he saves her that oh everything's gonna work out she is holly mclean again please call me holly mclean you know that type of stuff which is hilarious because then he completely fucks it all up again in die hard 2 when they continue it like they do a good job throughout that the first three of these series i think they do a good job of painting him as the everyman. Two made not, I think two does it the least of the first three, but they they do a good job keeping it. That's at least fairly consistent yeah. throughout there. Again, the increasing action set pieces get more and more ludicrous, but he's kind of the accidental hero as opposed to the man who's going out and seeking revenge or something like that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I love Hans Gruber in this as well. Alan I mean, Rickman the, is fucking phenomenal. The, the I mean, he didn't. So Alan, <laughs> Alan Rickman really snake. did not want to do this originally. Nope. He thought he would be typecast as a villain. He was. He, he most certainly was. <laughs> um, but you know, I think he will also go down as probably one of the best villains oh, in, in cinematic in, history. In, in yeah. history, um, he was phenomenal. If you haven't, mm. yeah, if you don't know who Alan Rickman is. I can't. Snape. He's Snape. That's what you if if you're of that generation. Um yeah. again, first movie, he was that German. He he's not German at no, all. No, he's English. He's very <laughs> English, but um there were even just some lines and some of the back and forth that I've found out later was just kind of improv, some oh, of yeah. his real reactions. I think the guy at one time calls him Booby yeah. and Alan Rickman just shoots him a look at that. That was really a, his look. When um, he originally wasn't going to use his American accent, but that became something on set that there's a scene where he and McLean meet and McLean has never seen him before. So he puts on an American accent to try to pretend like he's just one of the people that's lost in the office and McLean lets him walk around with him then. And it's because he puts on an awesome American accent. That was all 
ad lib that wasn't originally in the script that he was going to do that and Rickman did it and they were like holy shit like pulled that off holy crap <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it's it's so good so many one-liners um I like kind of the plot twists as you go through yeah. just and then you have the the stupidity of the the classic stupid bumbling FBI yeah. agents on the ground who are gonna screw it up you have the you do have the cliche cop um, the donut eater who's oh, yeah. gonna come in who in the two end two days is, from retirement two days from retirement he and accidentally shot a kid once so he'll never raise his gun again and then oh he saves the day by raising his gun again in the very end like uh, some of this some of those this movie actually also pioneered too and became cliches from it some Correct. of them they played into what makes it this movie so good at it is that it it takes those, but it doesn't. It it, it it elevates them somehow by honestly, like I don't know. It takes them seriously, but it doesn't. It's just, it's one of those movies that has been. They well, they've tried to recreate it several times with all these different sequels and everything, and it just hasn't quite ever felt the same. And I like Die Hard Two is is solid, uh, and I think Die Hard Three, Die Hard with a Vengeance, is probably the best of the sequels the one with jeremy irons playing oh, Hans younger son or younger brother uh samuel L. Jackson, samuel jackson playing off of him he and bruce willis have the best amazing rapport. chemistry it's just, yeah it's so good but that's why they do and, so many movies together i and mean those by the two way, have, have got to be like besties die hard with a vengeance is directed by john mctiernan the director of die hard it's the only other die hard he's directed which again i think has something to do with the tone and why it's so good anyway so we need to talk about something. Okay. I'm gonna cut you off. Okay. So I was gonna need... I was gonna stop there anyway. So what's good? Up? Because there is something that I think deserves a little bit of conversation regarding yes. Die Hard. Yes. Um it's a big it's a big controversial topic. Oh. Um this has been called not a Christmas movie. I... And I think we need to discuss in some ways and spend a little bit of time, a few minutes even, just discussing the value of what this movie brings to Christmas. There were a lot of reviews, a surprisingly large amount of reviews that were saying this wasn't a Christmas movie. And I did mention at the top that I have an opinion on this. I, 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 I want to hear it. So this movie is, not only is this a great Christmas movie, it, and people will joke about it and always say like, well, it's the best Christmas movie. I will argue that this is this hits every story beat of a traditional Christmas movie. You have estranged family members that are trying to reconnect this is like the beginning of every christmas movie ever is like there's some sort of family problem right and through a series of events they are brought closer together through a christmas miracle in which that you know they have to they have to work together to really survive and then in the end they are seen as you know this happy couple and they, they really come back together it is the the christmas spirit it is, the, you know, like this this amazing thing that helps bring them together. It's even, you know, some weird, crazy bearded foreigner that really comes down from the top of a building through a chimney, maybe. Maybe. That comes down to help them learn this. They receive gifts. They, It's just, it's the perfect Christmas movie. It is, it is stories, it is a family coming together under duress during the time of year and really, you know, like just brought together. It's just, it's every holiday movie, but with guns and now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Like, it's it, it's just perfect. It's the perfect Christmas movie. I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I mean, it takes place around Christmas time. It is. It's which is generally holidays. just my excuse to say, hey, this is a Christmas movie. Let's watch some Die Hard. Yeah, this is a full-on Christmas movie. I mean, like, this, this hits all the story beats of a regular Christmas movie. This is not just a movie that takes place at Christmas time. Like, say, at Gremlins, 
or something like that. This is a Christmas movie. It is about connections made, being made stronger by the holiday season and terrorists and machine guns. You know, whatever. Um, I think I, I, probably my last thing that I'm going to say on this, because we're not even like talking about the plot. Just go watch this movie. I'm not even, I don't even want to talk about the plot, really, because it's just so good. The last thing that I'm going to say, aside from all of the amazing performances that happen throughout this, this entire movie, of which there are many yes there are so many good ones not just rickman but everybody is just is really on point um this has one of the best just like buddy side cop side stories buddy cop side stories i guess of of original vel johnson and bruce willis like never meeting throughout the movie until the very end and then being like what's up bros i i I don't know the characterization in this movie is so excellent it was so good they brought him back for the second one they did and then yeah the second one was fine yeah, then they replaced him with Samuel Jackson. And it was better. It, Sorry. It, it, it started a revolution of Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis movies. It did. It did. It's um, just, this movie had, this movie hits every note really, really well. And it does everything slightly over the top, but at the same time, not too over the top. Like, it's just, it, just, just watch this movie. It started an amazing trend in the action film industry, and it deserves to be allowed for every single bit. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. You, you, what, what else do you have to say about Die Hard? It's perfect. It's just yeah. I, there's so many there's so many fantastic lines just throughout the whole movie mm. that just, I could sit here and just quote them back all day. Like but ten thousand no. terrorists in the world, and I gotta catch, kill the one with shoes smaller or feet smaller than my I sister. Just, and oh, like. now I know what a TV dinner feels like. <laughs> uh, come down to the coast. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, and then you be high, motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, so this movie had a budget of $28 million. It did. That's a pretty high budget, honestly, it's, for people that for a movie that was not filled with a lot of stars. It, yes, exactly. It had a limited opening release in mm-hmm. 1988 and only did $600,000. Um, mm-hmm. Again, not a lot. I mean, if Bonnie Bedelia is your big swing in at the yeah. time, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, gross USA of $83 million and a cumulative worldwide, like as of today, a hundred and forty million. So definitely hit, definitely made back its money. Um, top three, it, uh, what it was up against, it ended up at number seven for that year, nineteen eighty-eight. Top three of that: uh, Rain Man, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and then Coming to America. So some good stuff, competition, but it cracked top ten. So that's actually pretty decent for a an at the time unheard of action franchise. It's weird for us to think about that because Die Hard is so synonymous. You know, oh, absolutely, you know, with action for us nowadays. But this was. It had to open somewhere. Um, John McTiernan, as I mentioned before, dude was known for directing, well, Predator, as uh, as I kind of mentioned, Hunt for Red October, Last Action Hero, Die Hard with a Vengeance, 13th Warrior, and the Rollerball remake, and amongst others. He didn't really, he doesn't really direct it a huge amount. Mostly action stuff, which is good. That's in his, uh, in his wheelhouse. And the writer of this was Jeb Stewart, who wrote another 48 hours, so not the original, the, right. the bad one, um, The Fugitive, <laughs> And I thought this was hilarious. Fire down below one of the Steven Seagal action flicks. So fair enough. You know, pretty pretty decent pedigree with the with the writer and director in that one. So not, not bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. Yeah. Um, I will say, as far as review side of this movie goes, this was the hardest movie to find a one star review of. Of all the movies we've done, this yes. was the hardest um, to find a one star review that wasn't that didn't involve um, the actual 
maybe a physical copy of a DVD or something. But yeah. uh, I was able to find one. Zach, how about you? Did you find one down there? So we're starting with the one stars. I did find a, a one star review for this movie. Um, it is titled No. And the review is Not. Okay. That's it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what they were going for. Could have been quality. Could have been not liking this movie, but um, not. Fair enough. Paul, did you find a one-star review that you thought was uh, appropriate here? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, one star. Uh, this was in 2017. It was called Boring Bad Christmas Movie. Mm. I don't know how this made so many lists of top Christmas movies. Watching scores of people being shot to death in a high-rise isn't my idea of a Christmas movie, unless you are a psychopath. On top of that, it's boring. I stopped watching before the end. There is just so many ways this old film can kill a bad guy, and then it's just a broken record of fake death. Mm. This person, I think, just doesn't like life. I just don't think they like. I don't think they know good good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna thoroughly agree with you on that. How how about that five star? Well, five star. There there are many of them. Uh, this one is this is a classic Bruce Willis film that has cult status and is referenced in other films. Adam Sandler and Funny People says to his doctor who has long blonde hair, "Didn't you try to kill Bruce Willis?" Some even call it a Christmas movie. Everyone must see this film. I believe it is a law. I loved this because he says the Die Hard um, has achieved cult status. Um, this movie made $150 million in 1988. It's, it's not cult status at no. all. And his referenced in other films was Adam Sandler in Funny People. <laughs> I mean, neither of these things are wrong. Well, I, I, maybe the cult status part of it is wrong, but it's like, that was the best one you could pull. That was, was that was the one. That yeah. was the one you could pull. Cool. All right. Cool. What about your five star review for this? Mine was called "Nice Christmas Action Movie." Okay. So I went. I went both spectrums here. Oh, I did. Uh, my husband wanted to watch this. I wasn't too excited because I'd rather watch some Christmas drama movies. I gave it a go, though it did not disappoint. This movie is very good action, family drama and a little comedy it actually made my night when we watched it my husband did a great job picking a movie plus alan rickman was there thumbs up i like how they're so pleasantly surprised alan rickman was there look at that yeah who knew who knew who would have known that um, everyone, everyone who's ever watched a movie knew that Alan Rickman was in that. But anyway, Literally everybody, it just it, it amazes me that people are just out of touch around this movie. But hey, who knows? So we have this wonderful, beautiful movie. Uh, I mean, again, classic movie. Everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. Then, in, like I said, they made they made two more of these pretty in much the 90s. in the nineties. Yeah, it was ninety one and ninety six or yeah. 90, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then they they let it die for a while, Zach. They let it rest, if you will, not ah. even die. And then and then in two thousand seven, they dug a fucking hole and buried some piece of shit out of there. Well, you know, it, it is die hard, and they and they tried hard. They tried hard to let they that die hard. hard. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it almost, the, the third one had just such a nice bookend to it. Like I said, they brought back McTiernan, and it just, they have this great rapport between Sammy Jackson and Bruce Willis. And then Live Free or Die Hard comes out in 2007. Now, I will admit, I this came out, and I was I was excited. All right, cool. Good to see more. How is it ever going to be a bad thing that we see more Die Hard? Uh, I have two words to, to throw into that. Ooh, yes. It's Justin Long. Yeah. That's how you ruin it. That is the equivalent to ruining just about any buddy cop scenario is you put Justin Long in there. So when someone decides to hack into the computers of the FBI's cybercrime division, the director decides he's going to round up all the hackers that could have done this, one of them being Justin Long. When he's told that because it's the 4th of July, most of their agents are not around, so they might have trouble getting them, they ask for help with the local PD. Who is the local NYPD guy that is just happens to be in the wrong spot at the wrong time? Well, it's John fucking McClain, my friends. So he has to go pick up the aforementioned Justin Long, bring him in. And as soon as they get there, somebody starts shooting at him, and McClain manages to get them out of there. But then it's just a race against time to get Justin Long to be able to help the FBI out and figure out just exactly who is hacking the hell out of everything in their in their fine city of Washington DC. It's um I remember not hating this movie when really? it first came out. Yeah. So was, the first it, thing I did when this came out, I'm just going to stop you there, is I I went because it was 2007 mm-hmm. and it was Justin Long. Mm-hmm. When a movie like this comes out and I see the poster, I shoot directly to the bottom right-hand corner to see what that thing is going to be rated. Mm-hmm. And I saw a big old PG-13 on a motherfucking Die Hard movie. So, like I said, I remember not hating this <laughs> when I first started. Um, that was a big deal. It was PG-13. Bruce Willis, his catchphrase, as we've said several times throughout all the movies, is yippee Kaye, motherfucker. PG-13 does not allow you to have that F-bomb in there. I think you're allowed one, maybe. But either way, they weren't going for it. So right away, we've got a movie that is based off of a series of other movies that have been pretty violent, lots of swearing. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson drops I don't know how many F-bombs alone. I mean, it's Samuel L. Jackson. His every other word is motherfucker for him. So we get a PG-13 diehard. All right, maybe I can kind of try to excuse this. It's it's a little different. I do have the unrated DVD, which is a, is, I mean, they swear twice in it, I think. That's like all it is. And then maybe it's a little more violent. What we have from this is a buddy cop film, but instead of Sam Jackson, you have Justin Long. Justin Long, I don't hate. He has his place. I don't like him in this movie. He has his place. Dodgeball was his place. Dodgeball was his uh, place. What was that, the, the one with the college rejection? Ah, uh, uh, yeah. what was that? Yeah, you. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just, he's, yeah. Then you throw in Maggie Q, who's the token Asian that knows karate, of course, and she is just a stiff, awful actor. And, like... It's hacking. It's movie hacking. Now, to this movie's if they credit, see the movie, if I hear the word hack, they, they keep saying it all the time. time. I'm just going to hack this. We're going to hack this. this. I'm yeah. going to hack into this. Well, if I could just hack into this, well, uh, wait a minute, guys. Now, I need to hack into this. One thing I will give credit for is they have very few scenes of somebody rapidly typing in order to actually try to hack something. Most of the time, it's just a whole bunch of little like 
gooey you know boxes showing up like here's progress on hacking into it which is more realistic i mean they usually don't make a ui like that but at least they kind of understand that you know in order to hack stuff they're just executing something they're not swordfish furiously typing (laughs) under that and they even kind of make reference to that at one point where justin long says uh it's a lot easier to do this without a gun being pointed at my head which is again kind of a nice counterpoint the movie is trying to be self-aware they are they are and, in that sense and, and it, it accomplishes it somewhat the problem is is that it just at some points is trying to be self-aware and at other points bruce willis is driving a semi over a bridge onto a fighter jet some of the the okay so the technology i think is a whole one conversation and then the action side is a whole nother topic i mean he throws like a car like slingshots a car into a fucking helicopter you got a harrier jet that's just like swinging under bridges and being like hey just blew you up but i'm just gonna peek in and say what's up to you guys like that's that's not how things it's not how that happens i want to point out i think the car flying into the helicopter is kind of cool i like that scene I'm, 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 a I'm not saying one. it's not. I'm a sucker cool. for that. One. I'm not saying it, it is, is not what John it is. McClane. This movie this is, is what it is. But this it movie is, is not John McClane, though. Correct. Is the problem. He is far too action starry. They try to make it out there. They, like I said, they set him up with the everyman. You know, like oh, he's just the cop that has to go Hang and do it, this, you know, trying to protect his daughter. Well, and his daughter's in there, and she makes it a point at the beginning to say it's Gennaro, not yep. McClane. Running like joke throughout hitting, every single you're one of them. Hitting these beats again, where they have these like different parallels, where he's talking on a walkie-talkie to the bad guys at one point, which is straight out of the first one. Like they have all these. They weird have the wrong place at the wrong you know what do you, you know they should put on your tombstone you john mcclain wrong place at the wrong time they and have, that has been used in every single die hard and movie. he's he's working with the fbi in this but hilariously two federal agents one black one white from different agencies the nsa and homeland security come walking in to fuck stuff up and it's like oh my god you guys so you see a script you see people that that love the first one that were trying they were trying at least to honor that first, the first, you know, yep. script. And then you hire Timothy Oliphant, who is excellent, and I love him, and is grossly underutilized in this movie. Oh, but he is, you, you have, a, you have a, a bad guy. You have a, you have a good actor as the bad guy. They again, never had, trying to but they never this. had a meeting. They never had the, that. There's one, one scene in the very end where they meet. That's it. It's they, the only time they, you this, know, like, But every other movie, he at least meets them in some form or fashion because he never sees them, doesn't mm-hmm. know what they look like, and they manage to somehow meet, and that never happened, and I mm-hmm. wanted it to because I loved, like we, we talked about earlier, that scene where Hans Gruber's using the American accent, yep. and they're just, his name's Clay, and they're sharing a cigarette, and yeah. it, it was so cool because you, as seeing it for the first time, you're like, that's fucking him! Yep. Um, and Timothy Oliphant is so good of an actor again i agree with you completely underutilized when they did that with mary elizabeth winstead his daughter she's also an excellent actor i love her i've, I've always had a you know a little bit of a crush she's one of my celebrity crushes scott pilgrim, like, sure. scott pilgrim is, ugh, yep there it is but like she she's so horribly underutilized in this too and the the you know like they're they just the people that you get the most of are like justin long great i mean yeah, it's fine. Again, he, I, don't, I don't want to see a whole bunch of him. You see Maggie Q. She can't act her way out of a wet paper bag. And again, going back to what we were talking about with the Freaky Fridays, she is the stereotypical Asian person that knows jujitsu, kung fu, inserts some sort of martial yep. art here. The one, again, credit where credit is due, when she fights Bruce Willis, 
when she's like trying to kick him and beat him up in the first part, they do the. I, I, this is like the one movie I think I that I can remember where it's like she's a hundred and twenty pound woman, doing her best to try to kick the crap out of him. Dude is a pretty jacked man. I I understand that she's more skilled fighting than than he is. He at one point is just punching her and like picking her up and throwing her because she's so tiny. It's like yeah, Scarlet like Black Widow in the Avengers movies. I get it that she's a martial artist, but she weighs like 110 pounds. She can't be able to kick the crap out of all these guys. No, she's a superhero, but like this one finally has just like, I think he just picks her up by her hair at one point and flings her into a shelving unit. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, that's how this would go. That, she yeah. then gets the upper hand again when she has a gun and stuff like that. But it's like, I don't know if you understand weight and leverages. Like this is, this is a fairly realistic scene between the two of them. I, I, I appreciate that. And it's not that women shouldn't be able to win fights against men. It's just like, she's, she's, this big around. She is the size of my four-month-old son. Yeah, exactly. She can't really do a whole lot, unfortunately. <laughs> well, then to to counterpart kind of the the cliche, if you will, that they do use in this is they take the old cop, you know, the out of touch. Listening to CCR. Listening to CCR and then make this completely tech. This movie is completely about technology. Yep. All about super um, sweet 2007 technology. Sweet, sweet 2007 the line, technology. Give me his Palm Pilot. Yes. is uttered. Which, by the way, not a Palm Pilot. But anyway, it's a Nokia phone. So they throw this whole thing where uh, now we have that to deal with. Mm-hmm. That he's old and he's out of touch, and the, and Justin Long. And it, I just just fuck Justin Long in this movie <laughs> because. There's so many just stupid quirks, and he's just, I don't know. I don't like him in this. You yeah. see Kevin Smith kind of funny for a bit. He's fine, but he's, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's roll. an underutilized part in this. Yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, to, to what you were saying there, you know, like, the, this really plays up the idea that McLean is the old man in this. That's never been a problem for him before. He's never had this, like, terrible nostalgia for, you know, like, they're talking about CCR being on the on the radio, and it's, they, they just really try to make him out to be this dinosaur, and it doesn't have any bearing on how the movie goes. He's, that's never been his problem in the past. There's never been any real, he's, he's, he's seen as so out of touch with technology, like, there's no reason for that to be played up so much in the movie. Yes. It could just be that he's a cop trying to help Justin Long trying to do this, but instead they have to try to play it up that he doesn't know technology and he gets angry by it or whatever like right. that. And it's, we still have another situation with John McClane where no one fucking listens to him. Yeah. Oh, that. so one thing that bothered the crap out of me is they're talking – to Mag- Justin Long at one point recognizes Maggie Q's voice yes. as a person that on the on the dispatch radio when they're driving through there she's like he's like oh that's the person that this is screwing with us they've hacked this or whatever so McLean then you know like figures it out and has some baits her into a trap yep. for like oh we need a two oh nine or five eight seven and you know like oh you had a bunch of naked people running around ha because you don't know the codes which I'm sure not every dispatcher knows the codes anyway but whatever it's a classic movie trope there why didn't he tell anybody else that they, that they are compromised because then they just use that dispatch trick the whole rest of the movie. I get it that they've been hacked, but like there should be some sort of communication from, cause he communicates to the FBI and to other people yeah. multiple times. They should be able to communicate. Hey, your communication is, is, has been compromised. Don't listen to it. But instead they just like, Hey, you're a, you're a fighter pilot, right? Okay. Shoot missiles at this truck. What? 
two two seconds you could have taken out of there that was just like don't use official communication dialogues or use this other protocol that they have for it because I guarantee you there's some sort of protocol for that. They just don't talk to each other about it. I don't know. I figure I kind of think of John McClane in some way. I look at Kiefer Sutherland's character in Twenty Four. Uh, okay, Jack Bauer. I mean, if okay, so John McClane saves the Nakatomi Tower. Mm-hmm. Your people are probably going to know who John McClane is after that. So yeah. then John McClane saves an airport. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to learn more. Like, oh, this guy who did this also did this. He stops and Fort Knox from being He stops, yeah, exactly. Well, your saves, or it's not the, it's the U.S. Reserve. U- U.S. Reserve in New York City. He saves the New York Reserve. And yet, he somehow manages to just not be like, oh, by the way, I'm John McClane. Yep. I don't, I, I don't know. This movie just feels like a super communication breakdown is really all this movie is what it ends up being um i did love that uncle jack from it's always sunny is one of the hackers i didn't get to see his hands i don't know if he still has an obsession with that but uh, he uh i I did have that in my in my notes here he i love i do like the way they all get shot at the end yeah he's just kind of complete wipe out they have like a they have like a, a room full of hackers and aside from the main hacker he gets up and he's like i'll be right back and he walks out and everybody gets shot the rest of them all get shot it's kind of a it's almost like a a pre dark knight joker type of you know like where he takes out all the guys that are robbing the bank with him they're just Kind of taking that out, which is which is pretty good. Um, there are this movie's like forty percent chopper action. Like the bad guys chase him with a helicopter in the beginning, and then Bruce Willis drives a car into it. Then Bruce Willis and Justin Long confiscate a chopper because somehow Bruce Willis is also a chopper pilot in this. Because again, this is not hashtag not my John McClane. Um, he takes they take a chopper and then the FBI is flying four choppers to like meet up with them and stuff like that. It's it's insane. It's crazy. So, it, 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 I don't know. This this movie just ugh, it just it just baffles me. Um, it is. I like the cut together video when they hack stuff um, and they dis- display that video or whatever. Yeah. Uh, with all the different presidents the different giving presidents them the, that go through. The, the go through. I I did really like that. I appreciated it. Um, and I liked, like I said, I liked the chopper scene, flying flying the car into the chopper, especially because of the line where he's like, you, you flew a, a car into a chopper, and McClane just looks at him and goes, I was out of bullets. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, there's, there's there's little parts that you can take out of this movie that it's like, all right, this is this could have been pretty good. Um, in the end, they end up having a parkour fight with John McClane. Dumb. Uh, he then meets up finally with Oliphant, and yeah, spoiler alert, Oliphant gets shot. The way he gets shot, though, I must appreciate. Classic McLean. Yeah, so McLean's been shot through the shoulder, and Oliphant has him in, in your classic bad guy stance with his arm around the back, you know, like pointing the gun at him, where using him as a human shield, essentially. And he puts the gun barrel into where McLean's already been shot to, you know, give him a little bit of pain or whatever. And McLean does his yippee ki yay and then it gets cut off, because, again, PG-13. PG-13. But he pushes the gun into his shoulder and shoots through himself into Oliphant, which I thought was a clever, nice, nice way to do that. I, I appreciated that last little set piece. There. I liked. I I will say that that's the redeeming quality of this movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was not a. I'll tell you what. This wasn't it was a cheap movie to make. It was most certainly not a cheap movie to make. You know what they might call this in some countries too is a flop. Um, we're going to talk about it because it, it cost $110 million to make. Yep. It had an opening weekend, um, wide release, mm-hmm. 
and made a little bit over $33 million. So Which is a decent release. Um, not you one would, third. You would want to see that more. On a 110 budget, you would want to see that more. In 2007, I'm sure I know a lot came out. We haven't seen Marvel yet. Uh-huh. Um, this did a gross USA of $134 million. Not, oh, not that, great. Not great. Worldwide. Worldwide. Three hundred eighty-three million. So that's why this they were able to make the, another one after it. So unfortunately, this is the highest-grossing Die Hard movie. Yeah, because then um, a good day to Die Hard, which is the one after this with Jai Courtney, um, that one does not do as well. That one gets pretty. I think people I think were pretty fatigued, bad. and after seeing this one, I think everybody was just happy to see this one because it was a new Die Hard movie and there had been such a lag in, you know, getting a new one of those. People went to see it, but I don't think anybody really, like, saw it twice. You know, like, this was not a, oh, my God, I need to go yeah. see it again. And then A Good Day to Die Hard, everybody just kind of quit caring about it. This they, came out in 2007, the top three that year. This was number 17. So, you know, again, top 20 at least in this case. This doesn't do the original. Um, Spider-Man 3, Shrek the Third, and Transformers were the top three for that year. So it was up against... Honestly, not a whole lot. Could have done, could have done Could've better. Could have done a lot more. Could have done a lot better. Um, there is rumors that Les Wiseman, Len Wiseman, or excuse me, Len Wiseman is uh, is going to be directing what will be called McLean. Now, I don't think the the directing in this movie wasn't bad. Len Wiseman can do a decent action movie. He does know how to direct the action sequences. Like, there was someone missing good. from like, this movie for a Len Wiseman movie that I just couldn't put my finger on it. Well, who so was missing? It was Kate Beckinsale. Oh, we were thinking that's of because right. he is or was married to her. I don't know if they uh, still are. Because he directed Underworld One and Two, which both are featuring his at the time wife. Uh, Kate Beckinsale. He also did the Total Recall remake, and then mostly just TV stuff outside of that, Len Wiseman. Um, the writer was Mark Mark Bomback, who wrote Race to Witch Mountain featuring The Rock. That was a, a remake that I don't think we have on our list to do, but could be kind of entertaining. Uh, he did the Total Recall make as well, so he, uh, he actually worked with a Wiseman on a couple of these. And then he did The Wolverine, not Logan, The Wolverine, uh, Dawn and War of Planet of the Apes, and Insurgent, just the first one of that series. So, uh, you know, again, there's people that have done these things before. They've, they've done movies before. That's not terrible, but that's the thing is this movie was just kind of bland, which for me is tough to leave a review for something like this, and it's kind of tough to find a five-star review for this movie. There were a few some people really liked it, but Paul, were you able to find any five-star reviews for Live Free or Die Hard? Barely. Okay. Um, five out of five. An exuberant roller coaster ride of a movie. Oh my! This was just left back in June of twenty or two thousand nineteen. Oh my! An intense rocket ride, perhaps the best of the genre scene oh okay that's um right right okay um i was able to find a five-star review uh this is in all caps titled live free and and die hard i'm saying that love it this is what they say live free and die hard tops all other die hard movies it's in all caps that's just the title uh, in this Live Free and Die Hard movie, it simply amazes me all the stunts that Bruce Willis performs. And the action is nonstop in this great movie. Willis has come a long way from the original first Die Hard movie and has improved greatly. 
I give this movie a solid five stars and by recommendation. Now to break that down really quickly, this guy thinks that Bruce Willis performs all his stunts. Does not. No. And that Willis has come a long way from the original first Die Hard. I thought he phoned out, phoned in a lot of this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, not exactly his top performance. What about a one-star review from this? These were a little more numerous. In I way. found, in my opinion, the best one or one star review. It well, really, if you want to know tell. how I felt, I felt like I wrote this. Like, okay. I want to meet this person. Mm-hmm. I want to connect with them and give them a hug. Mm-hmm. It's called. So this is what utter disappointment feels like. Oh my! And they have it broken down into categories. Mm-hmm. Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Fun. Okay. Die Hard Two. Uh huh. Die Harder. Wait, did I watch Die Hard again? But was it at an airport? That's yeah, accurate. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Now that is how you make a sequel. Uh-huh. Inventive, great acting, great action. Can't to see, can't wait to see what they do with the next one. Mm-hmm. Live for your die hard. Is this some kind of scam? We waited 12 long years for this piece of garbage? Bruce Willis can't even bring himself to care about any of it. After a while, I was waiting for a Moonlight-esque mugshot to the camera for him to say, listen. I know this sucks, but you should see the size of the paycheck. <laughs> well, that will definitely kill off the series now. Little did they know. <laughs> Little did they know. did not kill off the series. So, for my one star, I found one that was just titled, What a Silly Film. I am watching this today because I am bored as I work, and I'm looking for an action distraction. I've never seen a Bruce Willis b- film before. Let me just re-read that for you. This person has never seen a Bruce Willis film before. This was written in 2013. Okay. Moving on. I have to say, it's one of the silliest films I've ever seen, and the sidekick is even more sillier. Bruce Willis is a good actor. I'll grant him that. Wish he'd done away with his sidekick early on in film, and the film could have been less annoying. I don't think I will be watching another one of these. This is written by a middle-aged white woman, so I probably have nothing in common with people who like the film. Everyone to his own. That's really interesting. So there's some things I I could sit down and dissect in that a lot. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, yeah. She mentions (laughs) her demographic. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, She wrote that. And yet doesn't care. I just find it funny that she describes it as silly. The sidekick is even more sillier. He's that Justin Long is such a silly guy. And has never seen a Bruce Willis film before, but then says at the end, it's like, oh, he's a good actor. I'll grant him that, based off of this film. Maybe of this film. Ugh, come on, dude. You could, uh, do that. Sorry. Do that. Yeah. This, uh, so, so there's that. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into uh, to a, a real quick uh, breakdown here. Yeah, this is, I will say, I have one fact that I wanted to throw out there. Oh, yeah, please. This Sorry. is the first Die Hard that does not take place in the span of one day. Oh, interesting. All of the other Die Hards up to this point took, the, took place yeah, in one day. This would technically be two days. This then. is what took place over, over a multitude of days. Yeah. Just... Thought I'd throw that out. That's kind of interesting. I like that. Um, We do like to get into a quick breakdown comparing the two of them. We have some criteria here. We look at the cast, the acting, the direction slash script, the production value, and enjoyment value. So first up, the cast. Where are we going to go? Who are we going to give this tip of the hat to? Die Hard. The original. I mean, Alan Rickman alone, I think, pretty much just breaks that. You have the same 
character in John McClane, but definitely not the same Bruce Willis pulling it off. And he's like, he is just better in the first one. It's just, first one's better acted. The new one, I will grant you, is not necessarily terribly acted, with the exception of probably Maggie Q and one of the FBI dudes that sucks. But it's not, it's just not the same. It could have been it could have been closer for me if they had utilized Timothy Oliphant more. Yes. Whereas I feel like Alan Rickman got a lot more screen time mm-hmm. um, and showed a wide range wider range of emotion. Where yeah. Timothy Oliphant always just seemed cool, always seemed collected. Like he never got upset. Where th- there were times where you saw Alan Rickman's character Hans mm-hmm. Gruber getting upset. He was yep. angry. He was frustrated, and I liked that. He didn't. I don't think Oliphant had a whole lot to work with either. He but didn't. Whatever. No. Um, acting, I got. I mean, it's the first one. The first one is just brilliant. I think I just, yeah, yeah. It's there's you, that. You, you touched on it right there. It's not just the cast; it is the acting. It is just a whole lot better. Uh, direction slash script. Again, I'll grant two thousand. Live Free or Die Hard is is competently directed. The script has flashes of good stuff in there. It is comparing to again what I think might be the best action movie of all time has one of the tightest scripts ever, and the director, John McTiernan, is fucking amazing at this movie. You lose Live Free or Die Hard. As much as I want to give you credit, it's Die Hard. It's, it, there's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely Die Hard. Production value. I have to say the new one. I mean, as far as production value, I mean, you're throwing cars and helicopters. You're having Harrier jets fly under, you know, in between bridged mm-hmm. highways. I mean, the production value hands down has to go to the new one just because in 1988 they couldn't they just couldn't do that yep and i think the first one that's not to say that it didn't have good production value but the new one just i mean it is a well-produced movie again well-directed well-produced it 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 does look pretty pretty darn good actually um enjoyment value first one first one first one yep first we're we're done we're done and moving on end of statement there so We've looked at this. We've talked at great length about how one of them is an action genre like trendsetter and a you know just like a a, a movie a, just a milestone of a movie. This is this is just the, the the crazy thing. And the other one features Justin Long. So I have to ask it, Paul. What are your final thoughts before we get into uh, into into whether we feel this was necessary? What, yeah, I think Die Hard was. Yeah, I think Die Hard was a classic. Um, it's a, it's not a cult classic. It's it's a classic. Yes. Whether you want it to be a Christmas movie or not a Christmas movie, who gives a shit? It's a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, live for your Die Hard. I, the only way I describe it, what I think when we even talked about it earlier, was like, is that the one where he throws a car into the helicopter? Sure is. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, with Justin Long. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that one. Um, yeah. That's that's my summary. I, I I've, I've said it before. I said it again. I love the original Die Hard. Um, it is just such a such a wonderful movie. It was a good excuse for me to be able to watch it again. Um, it is a it is the best Christmas movie ever made. So don't at me, bro. And I <laughs> I do want to give credit to 2007's Live Free or Die Hard. It does try to be a love letter to the first one. You can tell that the people that made it were trying. This was this, there's an attempt made for this to be a Die Hard. It is trying to be a Die Hard movie. It fails because they tried to go bigger with it die hard doesn't die hard blowing up a fucking tower like it doesn't need to be bigger die hard with a vengeance did bigger but but better actually you know like not necessarily that it's a better movie but like it actually did bigger it just live for your die hard there's there's stuff there there's a foundation to build on maybe if you had you know taken out tried to take out the force comedy like i don't know i wanted to like it i did i remembered liking it at the time but it just 
and ne- never really like loving it, but just at least giving it more credit than I would give it now. And I still try to give it at least some credit. So, Paul, live free or die hard, was that really necessary? Nope. No. No, it wasn't. It 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 it, it could have been, mm-hmm. but this one this was absolutely not necessary. In fact, I think it did more damage to the franchise than it did benefit. Hmm. So here's my weird twist on this. I think it was necessary to remind us of just how fucking good the first three were. I think it was necessary in reminding us that we don't need more diehards, that it can sit back and it can rest. Yeah, but they're making, they made more. I know. So it didn't work. No, but I think it was the first necessary step for us to at least attempt this. The problem is, is that by definition makes this movie unnecessary okay. <laughs> to exist. Okay. Fair. So I see where you went with ultimately, it. Ultimately, it is unnecessary. But I wanted to say it was kind of necessary to remind us that it was unnecessary. It is, yeah. This it's movie, just, this, it, it was a disappointment. It could have been great, you know. It could have been. I think it could have been good. I, could, I wouldn't say that it could have been right. great. It could have been good. I would have loved to seen like what happened to Zeus over the last. Did you guys remain friends? Are you guys still close? I mean, a natural disaster in New York City, and your old buddy Zeus isn't giving you a shout to be like, "Yo, what the fuck's up, yo?" Plus, he could have yelled at him, "Hey, Zeus!" And yeah. would have been like, he didn't say, "Hey, Zeus." He said, "Hey, Zeus." My name's Zeus. Uh, so good. Like, Let it bolt up your ass, Zeus. Oh, I should just watch that, that movie. Fantastic. Uh, so. As if you guys don't know, if you haven't listened to it, or maybe you do know, uh, if you follow us, each week Paul and I get to, uh, or each each time we record this, because it's done on a weekly basis, each time we record this, we get to surprise the next person with the uh, what the next selection will be of movies that we get to watch. And this time, it is Paul's choice to surprise me with the movies we have. I do not know what he is going to say, so you will get to hear my reaction live-ish, as live as you can. Paul, what are we doing next time for so our next podcast? Next time we meet, we are going to do uh, the 1994 classic and the 2006 sequel of Clerks. Ah! <laughs> Got your Kevin Smith fix in there? And Getting my Kevin it. Smith fix in. So, um, if you don't know, Kevin Smith did make a cameo in Live Free or Die Hard, yep. uh, which made me think, yeah, we, we need to do a Kevin Smith movie. And if you're going to do Kevin Smith, you might as well start at the beginning and work your way up. So, um, yeah, for those that listen on a on a pod-by-podcast basis, uh, next after this will be uh, Clerks. I am excited about this. I am an unabashed, huge Kevin Smith fan, and this makes me very happy. I also should mention, I have not watched Clerks 2 in a long time. I do remember liking it. And the last time, the last probably 10 times I watched it, it was generally very high. So now I'm interested to take a new spin on this. So I love it. <laughs> I think that's great. Well, thank you guys for listening so much, as always. Like us, subscribe to us. Please give us a couple of ratings if you can out there. Follow us on Facebook. We'll give you the updates on when we're out there. Um, For everybody here, I am Zach Buell. And I'm Paul Abishon. Thank you so much for listening, and have a good one, you guys. We'll see you next time.